The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. Um, it is the most wonderful time of the year, is it not? Um, it's a time of joy and of hope and of family and of junk food and of all those kind of things. Hot cocoa watching Christmas movies. And I'm talking like the old Christmas movies. I'm not talking like uh, Penguins of Madagascar, Rescue Frosty the Snowman. I'm talking like Burl Ives, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Amen, right? Right? With Heat Miser and Snow Miser and all those guys that are so creepy and awesome all at the same time, right? Uh, When you can work the abominable snowman into a Christmas story, I am in. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, those are such great stories. You know what I mean? Charlie Brown, they're not making them like that again, right? I mean, it's just a great time. How many of you guys have gone and looked at Christmas lights through the valley as a family yet? A lot of you out there? Yep. It's been a great, great time, and just just an awesome season to be making memories. Again, this coming Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we'll be having our candlelight service, and that's going to be awesome. That'll be followed by the, uh, um, the annual pastors on the floor using credit cards to scrape wax off the gym floor, um, which is a tradition around here as well, but also memories and just really good time. It's an awesome time for making memories, and, and so with that in mind, with this idea about it just being such a magical and beautiful time of year, I I had been really wrestling, or not wrestling with, but kind of thinking through something for a couple of years that I was going to do today regarding one of our favorite films. It's a holiday tradition in our household. It's maybe one of my wife's favorite movies of all time. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. Now, you got homework last week. How many of you went home and this week watched It's a Wonderful Life? Hands up. That's actually better than I thought. It's still bad overall, but it's better than I thought. Well done to you guys. It's a fantastic movie, but I'm not going to do it. So um, let me tell you what happened this week. I had been thinking this through for a couple of years, but I was having a really hard time with it. Thursday, getting in my office, working on the message for today, I was really having a hard time with it. And look, struggles with Christmas messages are nothing new to me at all. Um, Myself and many pastors alike, holiday messages are the worst. The worst. There's so much pressure on them. You have all the people that come only on Christmas or Easter, and you guys are always quick to let us know when it's your family members that are here because you're kind of like, they'll be here, get them, kind of stuff like that. And and then I'm not a topical teacher by default. I mean, my style is more to take a passage, to take a text, work through it verse by verse, and just dissect what the scriptures actually say. As you guys know, that's what we do week in and week out here. And so to have sort of a topical message is just not in my power alley. That's not in my power alley. That's not the word I was looking for. Wheelhouse. That's the one I was, power alley. That's stupid. But, um. It's just not in my comfort zone for sure. That's not really my style. And, and then for a lot of pastors too, they become really difficult because each year you're basically teaching out of the same thing and you're trying to find a new way to say the same thing that you're saying year after year. And right or wrong, a lot of pastors, myself included, can sometimes feel like we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to come up with something new. So, so struggling with a Christmas message is nothing new. But that wasn't the issue here because I'd been chewing on this for two years like, I I'd had this whole plan on what we were going to do and, and taking that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, good old Bedford Falls, and good old George Bailey. Can we get an amen for George Bailey? So there's this beautiful opportunity to talk about the gospel using that movie because you see this character in the movie who is following in the footsteps of his father, 
and he's setting himself and his dreams and his hope and his comfort aside so that he can run this little savings and loan and bring hope to people that otherwise wouldn't have a lot of hope to better their lives. And then you get that time where it's like, you get to see what it's like if George Bailey isn't in the picture. It's not Bedford Falls anymore. It's what? Potterville. Ooh. Everybody say, ooh. Potterville. The, the kids are in here, so you guys got to interact with me. This is how we do Sunday school. So, um, so Potterville is like this dark, depressing, horrible place, and you get to see what it's like when the presence of Christ, if you will, if you could use that analogy, brings hope to a place that would otherwise be completely dark. And we were going to talk about just the gospel and that, and I'd even gone online and bought clips to be able to use different clips of the thing while I was teaching it. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you, my struggle this year was not, was not material. This thing was money. Like, it was money. This was slam dunk, go home, rest easy kind of a message that I've been chewing on for two years. So, so the issue wasn't content. The issue was kind of the heart. Because I'll be honest with you, as I was wrestling through this stuff and putting it all together, like, the content's good, and this is going to be fun. It's kind of that family, cheesy Christmas, it'll be great. But there was just, like, no heart in it. Like, I, I felt like, okay, I'm going to go do this, but I'm just going to, I'm just mailing it in. Like, I don't, I don't want to say these things. I don't feel any passion to say this stuff. And it was frustrating. But I'm a trooper. So I was like, whatever, show must go on. Must be my problem, right? I even had vertigo this week. Stu- Who gets vertigo? It's just uh, so frustrating. But, so I'm just like, no way. I'm, we're doing this. It's a wonderful life. The show must go on. And I just was struggling. And then something happened Thursday that changed everything. There's a guy in our church, a good friend of ours, many of you may even know him, named Paul. And Paul, this year, has had a difficult year because Paul lost his mother this year. And and he's been really close. I spent time with him when that happened this summer, and he's been really wrestling through that, and now it's moving into the holidays, and some of you know what that's like when you lose someone that's always been there at that holiday. And now it's that first year without. And he was struggling. And so he called the church and was like, can I come in and meet with a pastor and my family? We just, we're really grieving and we're having a hard time with this and I'd really like to talk with someone. And, and the person who, who was gonna be meeting with him was Pastor Sam, who was just leading worship here a little while ago. And I was in my office next door. Pastor Jeremy is over in his office and we just said, hey man, just pray with them, man. Be a blessing to them. If anything comes up or whatever, just get a hold of us and we'd love to come in as well. And we'll all kind of huddle around and, pl- and pray with him after you guys spend some time together. And so that was the plan. And so I'm sitting here in my office, working through this whole it's a wonderful life thing, not feeling it at all, and then there's a knock at the door, and Sam comes walking in, and he's got this like deer in headlights look on his face. And and when he started talking, I understood completely why. He was like, Jeff, you are not going to believe what just happened. And I said, what? And he goes, Paul and his family are in my office right now, doing grief counseling over the loss of his mom, and as they're sitting there, an emergency phone call comes through. They just found his dad dead. How, that doesn't happen, right? How does that happen? I mean, that, that's what's going on in that moment. And so we all go into the office and we huddle around Paul and we're just praying for him and, and there's just tears pouring and there was a, a powerful and God-ordained moment. I don't believe for a second that it was an accident that they were in that office when that call came. So God is good and he's sovereign over these things, Amen. But how do you walk out of that room, go into the next room, and start writing cheesy Christmas, it's a wonderful life stuff when you can still hear the tears next door? I couldn't do it. 
I just couldn't. And I, I literally was sitting there, and I was looking at the screen, and I just finally said, I, I can't do this. And just to make sure, I hit delete, gone. And I started over. Because here's the reality. It is the most wonderful time of year for some. But it's also the hardest time of year for a lot as well. There are a lot of people that spend Christmas depressed and hurting and sad and frustrated. It's been said before that frustration is when expectations fall short or unmet. That's where frustration comes from. And if you even just look at the whole holiday thing that we do in the media and everything on TV, I mean, look at the expectations that get set out there, whether you have them for yourself or not. I mean, the commercials, everybody's having these family gatherings and everybody's wearing sweaters and and hugging and there's no family squabbles and it's just peace and harmony. And these turkeys are coming out of the oven and they're perfect. They're like so juicy and amazing, just perfect. And it's like they just cook themselves. And and then the gifts come out and the wrapping is amazing. That's like witchcraft. I don't know how people do that. Like I can't get those seams. I'm just like put it in a bag. That's good. But But it's just like the perfect gift for the perfect person. I mean just everything is like falling completely together. But that's not reality for a lot of people. That's Hollywood. That's not reality. For a lot of people, family gatherings are marked by strife, if there's family at all. For a lot of people, it's like Paul wishing the whole family was there and now suddenly being faced with the fact that no matter what, mom and dad aren't walking through the door. For other people, it's heartwarming films, but they're sitting at home heartbroken. For some people, it might be all these commercials about all these amazing toys, and yet they sit home financially wrecked, watching their children see these commercials, knowing there's no chance that they can bless their child in those different ways. And it's heartbreaking for them. It's difficult. The most wonderful time of the year is difficult. And so here's the thing. Who's going to do a Christmas message for them? That's what just kept going through my heart. Like I know from conversations that I've been having with people at our church over the last season, there are a lot of people in this particular season, this particular year, for whatever reason, that are hurting. And when the holiday season comes and we're all supposed to be joyous and festive and fun and family, and they either have to fake it or hide from it, sometimes it just piles on and adds guilt on top of that. So what does Christmas have for them? How are they to react to these things? Now listen, Before you start thinking, we chose the wrong church today. I I came here, I brought family, and we were going to sing some carols, eat a donut, and be good, and Jeff's gone dark on us. They're not even letting the lights on in the sanctuary right now. It's like dark. Now, Now, before you think, look, I am all about Christmas. We do the Christmas stuff. My daughter has been in the Nutcracker this year. That thing has taken over our lives. We've done the Christmas tours, all of that kind of stuff. I am down with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all of that stuff. I am. But here's the thing. This idea of darkness and difficulty and despair around the Christmas season, listen, it has always been that way from the very beginning. Even before, if you will, that first Christmas. Think of it this way. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah is an awesome book to consider this because Isaiah is filled with all sorts of prophecies that talk about good things that God is doing, but it's also filled with prophecies about pain and suffering and slavery and war. 
And so you have this conflict there in the book. And it's this book that we love to take a lot of the quotes out and put them on bumper stickers and sweaters and pictures, you know, mount up on wings as eagles, run and not grow weary, that kind of stuff. But the overall thrust of the book, if you've sat down and read through it, is much darker than that. Because the book of Isaiah is a collection of prophecies, word of God given to a people who were going through some serious issues. Sin, there was war coming, pain, slavery, the nation was going to be destroyed. You guys know that famous passage, Isaiah chapter 6. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up. You know that passage, right? And when he sees the glory of God, he's like, I am undone. God is so holy. I'm a sinful man of unclean lips. Woe is me. And this angel comes with that piece of coal, you remember? Touches the coal to his lips, and he says these beautiful words. He says, your sin has been redeemed. You are forgiven. Your iniquities have been removed from you. It's an amazing passage. And then God says, now, we need a messenger. Who shall we send? And Isaiah's like, me, me. Are you kidding me? After all you've done for me, I'll go anywhere. Send me, Lord. And so God gives Isaiah a message. It's a beautiful passage until you read the message. And the message is, go tell Israel that there's pain coming. There's gonna be war and slavery and bloodshed and difficulty. And Isaiah, go tell them, but they're not gonna listen to you. And it's dark, huh? It's hard. And so this is what happens. This is, ends up being the history there. Isaiah 8 goes on to tell the story of the Assyrians, how the Assyrian people are going to come in, sweep through the land, take prisoners. Listen, listen. This is God's chosen people, and they're going to be wrecked. They're going to be scattered and destroyed. And then that's not even the worst part. The worst part is this. After all those prophecies are gathered and delivered, all the prophets of the Old Testament, once that happens... Israel is not going to hear from God for 400 years. Silence. Nothing. So imagine the people of Israel. They're in total darkness, in despair, hurting. Nations wrecked, carried off into slavery, death all around them. 400 years. Where's God? I thought we were the chosen people. I thought we were his kids. 400 years? He has abandoned us. Ever felt like that? Like you're going through something, you're like, where's God? There's happy people all around, but I'm not hearing him. Where's God? But this is the beauty of the book of Isaiah, is that even tucked into these things, there's this rhythm of hope that's written in there. For example, there's this passage that comes. God says in Isaiah chapter seven, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel. Hey, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Get this. Don't miss this, okay? Where's God? We are going through literally hell on earth. Where's God? He has abandoned us and God steps in and goes, no, 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 I'm coming closer than I ever have before. I'm, I'm coming to be with you. I'm coming to incarnate myself with you, Emmanuel, God with us. I know you're hurting. I have not left you. I am closer than I've ever been. And it's an amazing truth. And then the story goes on. It gets even better. In Isaiah chapter 9, and let's put the text up if you would. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says this. 
But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This is what he's saying. There's darkness, there's pain, there's difficulty. And he says, yet in the middle of it, this land that has been wrecked, specifically this area of Galilee, something's coming. Now that's a big deal. If you don't know the geography or the history, Galilee is nothing to be proud of at this time. In fact, all the different invasions of armies that would come in and take over this land, Galilee was the most likely path for every one of those armies to come in. It was defenseless. It was a perfect place for a big army to come in and destroy Israel. And so Galilee is not only a little podunk, nothing kind of a place, but it's, if you will, the starting point of all these wars that have wrecked such havoc and destruction on the nation of Israel. So from the place that their pain starts, God says there's a new invasion coming. There's a new invasion coming. The people that have walked in darkness, that have walked through these difficult things, listen, there is a light that they have seen. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. It goes on. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. They are glad when you divide the spoil for the yoke of burden and the staff for his shoulder. The rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot on the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And then he says this, for unto us a child is born. To us a son has been given. And the rule of the world shall be on his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of all peace. Now listen, I'm almost done already. But listen closely. This is important because for some of you, you are in that dark season now and you need to hear this. For the rest of us, we know people that are in that season We lost a dear friend from our church yesterday, way too young. So we need to understand the reality of what this means, what this Christmas season is all about. Listen to what he says. Unto us a child is born, to us a son has been given, and the rule of the world will be on his shoulders. You know what that means? It means he's in charge, amen? It means there's a son, a king coming from the territory that used to be the start, the the very source of our pain. He's coming from there and he's in charge. The weight of the entire world is on his shoulders. The enemy's not in charge. The darkness that plagues you, the pain, the sorrow, not in charge. Jesus Christ is king, amen? It doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, He's to be called Wonderful Counselor. You know what that means? It means he gets it. He understands your pain. He is acquainted with your grief and your sorrow. And he is committed to walking you through it. To giving you wisdom and how to deal with difficulties. To help you through the despair that you're carrying. He is your Wonderful Counselor. Amen? And then it goes on. Come on now. Amen? Don't go to sleep on me out there just because the lights are off. Mighty God, he is to be called Mighty God. You know what that means? Champion. That means he wins, amen? That means he wins. He is Mighty God, champion over all darkness. 
then it says he's the everlasting father. And this one just touches me. Listen, this is what it means. For those that seek him, listen, he will never not be your father. That's what that means. Perpetual. He will never not be your dad. Amen? And then a prince of peace is the last one. For those that are going through difficulty in a season like this or any season other, we know that Jesus Christ is the source of all peace, all joy. He is the only answer to everything that is going on in the world around us. He is the answer to our fear. He is the answer to our sorrow. He is the answer to our, our cowardice. He is the answer to our sin. He is the answer to everything we face in the world. He is the prince of of peace. Amen? And this is good news. This is the gospel. That a people who walk in darkness, consumed by our own sin and the effects of sin on the world, have hope. You want to know what the Christmas story is about, what the Christmas season is all about? It's not about gifts. It's not about family. It's not about carols. It's not about burl lives. It's not about any of those kind of things. The Christmas season is about this. That we are in darkness, and yet Jesus Christ came and has given us hope. Even in our sorrow, Isaiah goes on to say in Isaiah 53, he has borne our grief and carried our sorrow. He is a good and mighty king. He's the answer to everything. And, you know, speaking about frustrations coming from, from expectations that don't measure up to what we thought, I mean, just think about the season that we're in right now. I mean, we build and build and build towards this Christmas season, and we get the right gifts, and we wrap them, and we build bikes on overnight, and we do those kind of things, all that stuff that we do for Christmas, and then we're going to come together Christmas morning, and we're probably going to have a really good time opening gifts, and it's going to be great, but if we're really honest, at the end of the day, isn't there that little tinge in the back of your mind that goes, somehow that's still not quite measuring up to the expectation we had. It's great, it's fun, but it's over, and now it's another year, and I don't know, there's just something missing. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, that's by design, because Jesus Christ is the only source of everlasting joy, fulfillment, and happiness that we will ever come across in life, and by design, everything else on earth will always leave us lacking that we might turn to the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Wonderful Counselor, Jesus Christ himself. That's the meaning of Christmas. Now, church, listen to me here. Jesus was once talking to Peter, and he said to Peter, he said, hey, who do people say that I am? And Peter's like, well, these guys say you're this, and these guys say you're a prophet, and these guys say you're this. And then Jesus goes, okay, 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 but Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says to him, you are the Christ, the Son of the Almighty God. You are the Savior. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. And he says to him, upon this rock, this truth, the reality of who I am, if you will, upon me, Jesus says, I will build my church. And he says, the very gates of hell will not stand against it. Do you believe that, church? Let me ask you this then. Has anyone here lost someone this year? I know my father-in-law has. Vern, I know you have. This is going to be the first Christmas for a lot of people without a very dear family member. So let me ask you, 
Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he the king? Is he your hope? Is he your wonderful counselor? Because if he is, if you believe this, he says the gates of hell cannot stand against you. Doesn't matter how depressed, doesn't matter how dark or how despairing life is, if you believe this, if your stand is on this, Jesus Christ says hell will not stand against you. Vern, I'm gonna pick on you because you can get me back later. Do you believe this? You're about to have a lot of company. Will you do me a favor? Will you stand on that truth even right now? Come on, stand up. Who else? Has anyone else lost anyone this year? You're gonna go into the holidays this year without someone that you are dear and close to and you're gonna miss them? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, that he has come once that you might have hope, and here, even better yet, he's coming again to undo even the death that you wrestled with this year? Do you believe that? Then he says, if you will stand upon this truth, the very gates of hell will not prevail against you. Will you stand up? What else are people dealing with? Has anyone had any work issues this year? Now, if your boss is here, you might not want to respond real quickly to this one. But if you struggled and, you're, and all you guys stay up, you're about to have a lot of company. Have, have you guys struggled at work? Do you feel like you're slaving away, either unappreciated, underpaid, miserable in a job you can't stand, just waiting for the weekend so that you can breathe? Does anyone feel that? Or maybe having conflicts with people at work, difficulties, or just hoping the business survives. Anyone here in that? Because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that if you believe that he is the Christ, the son of God, the source of all of our hope, if you will stand on that promise, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. If that's you, stand up. What about relationships? Here's a big one. Again, keep in mind who's around you. Are you wrestling through some relationships right now? Marriage, children, friends, family, maybe the wrestling matches that the family's coming this week. <laughs> but listen, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the most high God? Your hope, your comfort, your counselor, if you do, if you will stand on this truth, he says the gates of hell will not prevail against him. So if that's you, will you stand up? What else do we got? Hey, young people, How's school? How are relationships? Man, kids can be mean. I've been one. And, and it could either be the pressures of what am I gonna do when I grow up? How am I gonna make it? What career am I gonna get? Will I ever get the grades I need to succeed? Or it could be just, I don't feel loved at school. I don't feel like I have friends. There's conflict there. Listen, if that's you, don't put your hope in good relationships at school. Don't put your hope in mom and dad. Don't put your hope in Christmas and Burl Ives to change everything. Put your hope in Jesus Christ as your more than a friend who has given his life for you and promises that you are accepted by God no matter what people in the school say. And the Bible says if you will stand on that truth, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Stand up. Oh, what else do we got? There's so much more. Illness? What's that? Troops. Are you missing family members that are either overseas, in the military? Stand up. What about illness? Are you sick? 
You wrestling with cancer? Family members wrestling with cancer? Jesus is the great physician. He's the one that we put our trust on. And if you will stand on the reality that he is the son of God, he says the gates of hell will not stand against you. There's so many more. Let's do this one. What about just sin? By the way, just quick heads up. This should get everyone on their feet here. Are you tired of sin? Are you tired of the pain and heartache that sin brings into this world? Are you tired of wrestling with your own sin and anguish? Do you feel like, I thought I'd be better than this this year? A year ago, I thought I would have that kicked. A year ago, I thought this would be gone and just the effects of sin just keep piling on and you feel like you can't outrun it? Good news. He has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrow. He has taken our iniquity away from us. He has saved us. And if you will stand on the reality that Jesus Christ is your Savior, no despair can take you down. The very gates of hell cannot take you down. What we celebrate right now is not a baby or gifts. We have been given a Savior. Amen? God, we just come before you even right now, humbled, Lord. Just so amazed at your graciousness, Lord. But there's many that are hurting, Lord. There's sorrow in the world because of sin. We've been promised that by your gospel. But Lord, we have had opportunity right now, even in this dark room, to focus on the light that has come. For unto us, a son has been given. And Jesus, we know you are our king. We know that you are good. We know that you love us. And so, Lord, we are choosing even right now to stand in faith on your promises that you are good and that even the glory of this Christmas couldn't possibly compare to the glory that you have for us. And so, God, we put everything aside right now. We put aside the commercialism. We put aside the pressures, the stresses, the work, the bills. And, Lord, we focus on the only thing that matters, that you are the Christ, the Son of the Most High God. May you hear us, Lord, and be blessed as we sing the glory and honor due your name. In Jesus' name.